Well, good afternoon, Faith family. We just heard a, a, another sermon from 2 Samuel. This was 2 Samuel uh, chapter 17. Um, throughout today's expo- exposition, uh, there were six truths that Kyle pulled out. W- which one spoke to you the most? Uh, they were all so good, but the, the first one, I think, I've, it has a lot of powerful comfort and warning. The one about uh, God's sovereignty. God is so- this, this If ever there's a story where it seems like God's plan is out of control. I mean, David, the, the promised king, is on the run for his very life. His wicked son is taking the throne by force. Um, and uh, and it's, you'd be tempted to think that things are out of control. Obviously, God's not in control. No, God is completely sovereign, even over all the twists and turns um, uh, of this story. And so God's sovereignty, I love what Spurgeon said about God's sovereignty. It is the most comforting pillow. Mm. If we, uh, it can be such a great comfort when we know when we have to deal with uncertainty or stress or difficulty, our sin or the sins of others, that, that a sovereign and a good God is in control of it all. Uh, his plan will not be thwarted. Um, and we can rest in his good plan, even when we go through difficult times. I was just saying goodbye to one of our dear members here who mm-hmm. she's been through a lot, um, uh, very much, you know, the victim of other people's sin and, and dealing with all the consequences. And yet she has joy knowing on, that God's going to see her through the next steps. And he's been sovereign over even the sin of others. And uh, she can be faithful to him and trust him. Uh, despite, you know, the awful circumstances. So God's sovereignty is a comfort. It's important truth. It's also a warning to those who would set themselves up as enemies of God. God is sovereign. He is going to win. Whether you get what you deserve in the short term or in the long term or in eternity, uh, do not uh, rebel against a sovereign God. Whether it's because you see, uh, like Ahithophel, uh, he was so bitter over how David had mistreated uh, Mm his uh, granddaughter, um, that doesn't justify him taking measures in his own hands and going against God's explicit will. Um, so the, the, the sovereignty of God is a great comfort to us uh, who are in Christ, and it should be a great warning to those who would oppose him in any way. Yeah, that's great. There, there were so many, um, uh, I think Kyle said it in the beginning, we're going to deal with a lot of, a lot of he said random things, because mm-hmm. there were so many uh, uh, different dilemmas that mm-hmm. we had to deal with throughout this sermon, and often is that way in in narratives because there's a lot going on. Uh, in this case, there were there was a story, uh, uh, you know, uh, with David. There's what's going on back in Jerusalem. So as a reader, we get to know everything that's going on. So we got a lot of, of things to unpack and deal with. One of them, and I think probably the most uh, difficult, was this ethical dilemma that was presented in the text mm. of whether or not it is okay to lie when you're protecting someone's safety. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, well, I, first of all, I just want to encourage, like, just as by way of, like, theological triage, like we like to talk about, this is an area where um, Christians can have different consciences on the matter. Kyle even cited two great theologians from church history, Aquinas and Augustine, who had different views on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just let me preface it by that and saying this is an area where we should have Christian charity with one another and shouldn't separate over that being said, I'm definitively on court team Corey Ten Boom. Mm. If if it's like no joke, like the Nazis at my door, I know for a fact they want to kill people unjustly, and that my speaking truth to them would would in a, in a way contribute to that evil. I'm going to try to lie through my teeth as convincing as possible, and just pray that I can do that as, as well. But I also need to know. Um, that's going to take some courage because if they're willing, really willing to kill for that, that, that means that if they find out that I lied, uh, I could be killed too. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a, but, uh, so I'm definitely believe that Ahithophel, excuse me, Hushai was justified in his deceptive double agency, basically trying to intentionally thwart Absalom's rebellion by giving him intentionally bad advice, mm-hmm. though persuasive advice. I think he was justified in that, and I believe this this unnamed woman was justified in hiding these people who were serving uh, the true king and were uh, the threat of being killed by the rival king. I think she was justified in hiding them and and like Rahab uh, in Jericho, lying about their whereabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, this don't expect that we're going to face this dilemma very often. It's it's going to be very rare that mm-hmm. anyone would have to do this. I think it's about as rare as anyone having to deal with uh, uh, killing or violence in self-defense or defense of others. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that's that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons um, that I, I justify lying in certain occasions. To me, the Bible is very clear: "Thou shalt not kill." What well, actually the better translation of that is: "Thou shalt not murder." Mm-hmm. Not, "Thou shalt not engage in an unjustified killing." We know from the Bible that God commanded killing and warfare in certain circumstances, mm-hmm. uh, and I think there's a great case for just war uh, theory. And of course, as someone who served on active duty voluntarily in the U.S. military, um, I don't share my gr- grandfather's pacifist uh, faith. So um, uh, I believe that if we are allowed to kill in self-defense or defense of others, and I believe we, we are, it stands to reason that we could also deceive in defense of others mm-hmm. and, def- and self-defense in that limited uh, area. To me, that just is like a self-evident truth that that would be morally justified. However, I understand Augustine or Corey Ten Boone's mm-hmm. sister who uh, would say, no, I wouldn't have to. Now, you just have to think about like, okay, in that rare circumstance, and it would be mm-hmm. rare, uh, what, what would trouble my conscience more, knowing that I lied to wicked people or that I was complicit in delivering pe- innocent people up to um, uh, unjustified violence and suffering and, and that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So you'd have to do that. Now, let me caution people who would say like, oh, great, this means I've got a circumstance where I can lie. Mm-hmm. This doesn't mean that you can lie to the IRS because you don't like tax policy or what the federal government spends all its money on, or you don't think the income tax is constitutional. Um, just see Jesus. If, if, if the, the Christians of that time were required to pay taxes to the wicked Roman Empire, then yeah, we got to pay taxes to the IRS. We can't lie to law enforcement just because some law enforcement officials have abused their power in certain circumstances. So this, and this is, and 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 I like how that that how are you, whatever you think of Aquinas's three categories, we are the vast majority of the time when we are tempted to lie, it is to cover up our previous wrongdoing, for out of our pride, trying to save face, or just out of sheer laziness. Or to commit a fraud and try to take advantage of someone uh, through deception. Those are clearly unjustified and wicked laws, and we should, uh, you know, uh, you know, teach our children not to lie in, un- under any circumstances. And only in an age-appropriate context would you ever talk about the exception mm-hmm. to that rule uh, potentially. But that's that's. Um, um, definitely where I compare. I compare like lying in these rare circumstances where someone's life uh, is, is literally at stake to uh, killing or, or violence in self-defense or defense of others. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I could add anything to that. I think that was wonderful. Uh, j- just knowing that there is grace, especially mm-hmm. for, for folks who, who, who fall on a different uh, yeah. side of that issue. Um, that doesn't mean you're not a believer or, or yeah. anything like that. That's not a, an issue that we separate yeah. over. So I think that's I would I would caution, I, I've talked to some people who say like, oh yeah, to even speak an untruth is itself, you know, distorting the universe or almost like magical type, mystical mm. type thinking there. Like, 
I don't agree with that. And I would encourage some people who try to have it both ways. They say, oh, well, I would literally tell the truth to the Nazis standing at my door. Like I'd say, oh, they're under the table when really they're under the floorboards under the table (laughs) or some other creative way to, um, uh, what's the word, to to equivocate. Mm -hmm. Now, as a lawyer, I'd say, hey, listen, if you use words that you know are going to be interpreted, even though they're literally true and you know how they're Mm going to be interpreted and you know that the person's going to be deceived, even though it's literally the truth, that's just as deceptive as a bald-faced lie. Right. Um, so that that doesn't get you off the hook. Creative uh, uh, truth-telling that you know is going to be uh, interpreted as a deception is still lying. It's still deception. So yeah. that, that, in case you're tempted to go on that as a as a as a in-between road, that that one really is an op- uh, open to. So either you be honest or you lie because you think it's justified. Yeah, that'd, that'd be equivalent to holding your hand, your fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. Your yeah. yeah. Um, as always, in, in all of Kyle's sermons, he, he's always, especially in the Old Testament, he's going to bridge yeah. to Christ. Uh, what do you think about the way he did that in, in today's sermon? Well, he had at least two, and they were both very excellent. I mean, I love the, like how he continually, and it, it's justified. Um, so many people, uh, either they don't know what to do with David, or they're just like moralizing David. And I love how Kyle is consistently, whenever we're talking about King David, we're talking about great David's greater son. Um, mm-hmm. and, and again, here, lifting your hand against the Lord's anointed, David was God's anointed. What's the word uh, anointed, really? It's, it's literally Messiah. Mm-hmm. David was pointing to a greater anointed one, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anytime you have David, especially even when David is not behaving like a good king, um, we realize that there is a promise of, uh, to David's heirs, and the survival of his dynasty through Solomon is the survival of the Savior. And so that's that. There's always a gospel implication there, but I do love how he uh, drew both of the parallels between Ahithophel hanging himself uh, for his own sins and Jesus uh, hanging on the cross for the sins of other. Mm-hmm. That was a justified and beautiful tie to the gospel. And then talking about how Ahithophel was a betrayer of uh, the anointed King David. Judas was a betrayer of the anointed. Um, uh, uh, King Jesus, um, and unfortunately, they both gave into despair rather than de- repenting of their sins. Mm-hmm. But yet, there's a there's a again another tie to great David's greater son, even through the betrayers there. Yeah, and I loved how he he, he uh, compared those stories all the way up to the end, mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, in in Second Samuel 17, um, uh, the betrayer's plan was mm-hmm. ultimately thwarted, and David was able to escape. But in the Gospels. Uh, that plan uh, came through, and and Christ was was crucified. Mm. Uh, but that was that was God's intention yeah. all along. I just thought that was wonderful how those stories are so parallel. Mm-hmm. And then this is where Christ yes. uh, is is different. Um, anything else you want to add to yeah. to uh, uh, today's sermon? Well, one other thing is is Kyle touched on this, and he did such a great job. Uh, the, the difficult issue of suicide in here. We have a, one of the four suicides uh, recounted in uh, the Bible. One, the other one in the New Testament, of course, is, is Judas. Um, and just let me reiterate, it can never be repeated enough. Suicide is never justified. It's never right. And if you've ever uh, uh, thought about it or are considering it, please get help. Uh, reach out to one of us here at the church. Reach out to a trusted counselor. Get the help you need. It is never right. It is never going to. It is only going to cause pain and suffering to other people around you, and and it is never pleasing to God. It is a sin, um, uh, 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 but it is not the unforgivable sin. I also want to clear because because uh, there's a lot of in other Christian denominations, uh, particularly in in uh, the Catholic faith. I don't know what the the, the standard of. Uh, 
current Catholic doctrine is now for many years, that was considered a mortal sin. So the Catholic Church would make distinction between venal sins, uh, which are ordinary sins that could be made up through rituals, sacraments, saying Hail Marys and Our Fathers, or at the worst case scenario, be burned off in purgatory. Uh, the unbiblical. Then they believed there were mortal sins, which are basically unpardonable sins. There's no hope for you, and suicide was one of them. Um, and let me just say that, that according to the scriptures, all sins are mortal. Mm-hmm. All sins separate us from a holy God. But, but let me say that, that Christ died, uh, his blood is sufficient for all sins, uh, including those mortal sins. So if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, um, uh, we can have assurance that all sins, past and present and future, are atoned for. Uh, now, the Christian life is a series of getting back up after we fail, and, and we repent and confess our sins to restore the broken fellowship, but we can, we can rest assured that our eternal destiny is, is, uh, is certain. Um, and so it is never justified. Um, it, it, is, it is a sin, but not a, a mortal sin. Um, so the, a, a true believer who is trusted in Christ and yet battles with depression and, and in, a, in a sinful moment gives into suicide, um, th- their eternal security is not lost because they, their last act was a sinful uh, act. I do not believe that. That's not what the Bible teaches. Um, still, again, just in, suicide is never justified, so don't do it. it there's always a better way. Um, and if that is something that you're seriously considered, please get help and, and help somebody through the gospel show you. Uh, if for, for instance, so let's, let's apply that like suicide is never justified. Here, Ahithophel betrayed God, uh, Christ's anointed, and so he, he did a great sin. He, and he was probably, I love how Kyle uh, in, uh, showed that he, likely his motive was the injustice that David had committed against Bathsheba and Uriah. It still didn't justify his betrayal of King David and using his amazing analytical and advice skills to support the rebellion. Once he realized that all hope was lost, he went home, took care of his family, and then committed suicide. What should he have done? Well, he should have realized, wow, what have I done? I've, I've, I've sort, uh, supported the wrong side. He should have repented of his sin. He should have, when David was restored to power, he should have said, this is what I did, and you are totally justified in executing me, and I've made provision for my family, but I, I, I surrender myself to the mercy and justice of the king. Maybe David would have pardoned him, and maybe he would have executed him. But he should have let David uh, kill him rather than suicide. And, and I think we have a good contrast in the New Testament. Judas uh, despaired over his betrayal of Jesus, but he didn't repent. He went out, and in despair, he committed suicide. Paul talks about there is a, there is a worldly grief and there is a grief that leads to repentance. And do we have a good example of someone else who betrayed Jesus mm-hmm. and repented? Peter. Peter denied Christ three times on the night he was betrayed, and he went out and wept bitterly, yet he repented. And we have that beautiful scene along the shore of Galilee that John records in his gospel mm-hmm. of Peter being thrice restored. Um, and so the, it, it, the, the suicide is never the answer, no matter what you've done, no matter what awful things you've done, uh, you need to face those. You need to repent. You need to face the consequences of that, whether that's even facing execution uh, uh, here in the United States under our judicial system. But suicide is never the, the right answer. Um, and and but again, tying it back to the sovereignty, um, uh, suicide is never justified. And suicide causes such amazing, amazing turmoil and grief to everyone that it touches. Um, but I just, uh, in my own family, there's, there's suicide touched uh, my family, and yet the sovereignty of God brought goodness out of it. Uh, my great-great-grandfather on my mother's side uh, was in the Depression, uh, in the Great Depression, and su- suffered with depression, was struggling to take care of his family, had a debilitating injury that made him disabled and, and difficult to support his family and in excruciating pain. 
and uh, it's pretty clear that he uh, killed himself by drowning in a local stone quarry there in, in Wapaka, Wisconsin. And that the family was Catholic at the time, and at least I don't, I can't speak for every priest today, but the the Catholic priest at that time wouldn't have anything to do with his widow because he died by suicide. They wouldn't bury him in the Catholic Church. Wouldn't have anything to do with her because of that mortal sin, according to the his doctrine. But fortunately, the Baptist preacher in town reached out to her and was willing to help her through that difficult time dealing with um, the burial of her husband and gave them the gospel. And the gospel came to my family on my mother's side through that tragic, that incident. And God eventually used that and other circumstances to bring my grandmother and my mother to saving faith. Um, and so again, doesn't justify that suicide. But again, we see the, the overarching sovereignty of God to bring good out of that evil and, and, and tragic uh, deed there of, of my great-great-grandfather uh, committing suicide. Wow. Well, we can end with that story. That was wonderful. Um, next week, we're back in Second Samuel. I think Kyle said that there are five sermons left mm-hmm. in Second Samuel, and then we'll be in First Corinthians. So if you're way ahead and you want to start reading ahead, uh, we are going to be going into First Corinthians next. Uh, until then, Happy New Year. Uh, have a great afternoon, and we'll see you next week.